This is Dan from Burlington, Vermont, and I'm tuned in to the new TNN. Afternoon, March 31st, it's WrestleMania. Get your tickets to the greatest sports entertainment closed circuit TV spectacular of all time. Mr. T risks it all wrestling for the first time, teaming up with champion Hulk Hogan versus Rowdy Roddy Piper and Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. Guest timekeeper Liberace, ring announcer Billy Martin, referee Muhammad Ali. Get your tickets now to WrestleMania on closed circuit TV. Don't miss it. See only at the following locations. of popular culture guess what yeah i'm thinking it's time to go back it is time to go back mr wick thank you for that uh, nice little addition to the show there my name is johnny c and this is the new tnn and you're listening to Ringman, the show on the new tnn where we talk about the wars of sports entertainment and yes, ladies and gentlemen, the exploitation of WrestleMania continues here in WrestleMania season of 2023 because today I want to go back. I go back, I go back. Hawk and Mr. T, they were fishing and they caught me some to eat. I didn't know at the time, but it would be a defeat because I ate what they caught and I got really sick. And then somebody touched my dick. I go back sometimes to 1985. I was only and barely alive, but someone fed me fish and touched my dick. I go back. Mr. T's mama, oh, she's making chicken after church. Vince McMahon wearing suits, they're looking pretty good. And then Lord Alfred Hazy offered me a drink and said, I'm so nervous I can't think. I go back. Wow. Cocaine is a hell of a drug. But yeah, I want to go back. I want to go back to where it all began. Not again, but where it began the first time. I want to talk about WrestleMania. I'm trying really hard not to say WrestleMania 1. Because WrestleMania has sort of become this catch-all thing. Who else hates that they don't use the numbers? You know, ever since WrestleMania play button, you know, for some reason here in the Dirty 30s, they have absolutely had zero interest in pointing out the numeric value of each WrestleMania. And I have said this before on some show, but it makes it harder to remember. It makes it harder to remember which one is which. I get really caught up. And lost thinking about 33 and 34 specifically. And also, well now, 36, 37, and 38 are easier to remember because they're the the COVID trilogy. It's like it just started and then we're a little bit back. Yeah, I'm thinking we're back. And then we're not back from COVID because we go back to the Thunderdome. And then WrestleMania 38 is really emotional because we're back, back, back. Back, 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 back. Mania! As they would say on ESPN. You know what I really like about... Sports Center back in the day where the guys would say, Ken Caminiti! I don't even know who Ken Caminiti is, but he's got the best fucking name to say, Ken Caminiti! I don't even know what he does. Is he, is he a basketballer? Is he a baseballer? Is he some sort of equestrian lord? I don't know! Ken Caminiti! Equestrian lord. Jesus Christ, I need to get laid. Anywho, um, so it's I, I do want to talk about WrestleMania, and there's a very specific reason why. I started watching WrestleMania just for pleasure. And I was like, I don't know if I could watch this show and take a bunch of notes and yada, yada, yada. Uh, but something happened. When the bell rang uh, to, to signal the conclusion of the first match, I had to pause and take a breath because, guys, I have got to tell you, I am absolutely in love with the opening of WrestleMania from 1985. I'm going to go on record here 
and say this. I think the opening match of WrestleMania fucking rules. It is a smorgasbord of emotion when it comes to how it feels to watch it. Some of the performances are absolutely amazing. Okay? Like, I can't even. I cannot fucking wait to talk about the executioner, okay? I'm gonna I wanna blow my load early. I cannot fucking wait. So what we're gonna do here is we're gonna dive deeper, maybe, than anyone ever has before. I don't know if that's actually the case. And I don't want to write a check that my podcast can't cash. But I we're we're talking today about Tito Santana versus the Executioner, the very first match in WrestleMania-based history. There is so much here to absorb. We're going to talk about everything. We're going to talk about, well, not everything. We're going to talk about, like, the first 11 minutes of WrestleMania, period, full stop. Now, look, I'll freely admit, you know, we're we're almost, like, five minutes into this thing, judging from the clock, and you know what? We're already halfway longer, and we haven't even started talking about it yet. I mean, can I really talk for an hour about 11 minutes of television? I don't know. I don't have, like, a target goal in mind. I want the episode to be long enough for you to get value out of listening to it. I don't want to overstay my welcome, but I got to tell you, man, I- I'm just blown away by this opening match. I, I, I feel so fucking good watching it. Okay? Of course, this this is going to lead... And I've got all sorts of little touchstones along the way to, t- to, to sort of start some side discussions as well. And so uh, I, think, I think I'm done introducing. I want to go ahead and get into this thing, but uh, buckle up, all right? Because it's time for the Ariba Man and the Beheader to fucking really take their fucking foothold on WrestleMania history here on Ring Man. Yeah. Yeah, that's just what we're going to do the whole podcast about. Let's go. So, March 31st, 1985, from Madison Square Garden. No signature, no anything. It's just the galaxies of space. Oh, wait, no, that's WrestleMania 6. Here, it's just WrestleMania. The WrestleMania logo here to greet us. And holy shit, I I, got to tell you, and, and this is the first big discussion point, all right? The opening, I don't know, 30, 40 seconds of WrestleMania is this cool little sub-power par, sub-power par, sub-powerpoint presentation. But it's 1985, so I'm not going to talk shit. Where it says WrestleMania, and you see, like, New York in the background, and, you know, pictures of the combo- the opponents in each match flash on the screen. Then we get the special guests and the main event. And uh, originally, originally... Set to this visual uh, smorgasbord is she's an easy lover. She's got a I don't know the feeling or the words. She's like no other, like an instrumental version of Easy Lover. Okay, which is beautiful. Like it's so 1985. It's so right place, right time for something like that. But of course, on the WWE Network. Easy Lover is nowhere to be found. And some might say, oh, well, the network, blah, blah, blah. And yeah, that's true. But they've been editing out Easy Lover since forever. Because I, sitting right here on my desk, have the original 1985 clamshell WWF home video, a Coliseum home video uh, fucking joint, WrestleMania tape. You know, with the painting of T and Hogan on the front. I mean, it's one of my most prized collections. Well, it's not like in great. I mean, it's in good shape. You could watch the tape. But, what you know, when you watch this taped version, it's got the... Like that WWF song, okay? So, I can't get too mad at the network for this. And I gotta be honest with you, the song they've picked, it kind of tonally matches Easy Lover in, like, its sonicness. Uh, Wow, what the fuck does that mean? I mean, like, you know, if someone plays 
uh, you know, if you play the Imperial March in Star Wars, Star, we're going to, Star Wars is a part of this conversation, but you play Darth Vader's theme, the bump, like a John Williams type score. Like other composers can mimic John Williams without using those exact notes, and you kind of be like, oh, they're going for a John Williams thing here. Like the sound of the song on the network kind of sounds like on a note base level, like Easy Lover. It ends in only on a only on a note level. Like it's not the same structure or anything like that, but it kind of mimics it in a way. But how does this all tie into Star Wars and sort of greater conversation? Well, in art, sometimes artists can fondle with their work, okay? And the big question is, should they be allowed to, etc., etc.? And, of course, this leads us to 1997, when George Lucas made himself a decision that would change Johnny C. forever. For it was in January of 97 that George Lucas would release Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope special edition into theaters everywhere, and Johnny C. would go to the movie theater and actually see A New Hope for the first time. Now, don't get me wrong. Like most people out there, I mean, I'd seen A New Hope like a thousand times, but Lucas added additional scenes. He modified sound effects. He enhanced the special effects. And while this film was directed by George Lucas, here's the basic gist of this whole thing I wanted to bring up, and it's only because Easy Lover has been omitted from WrestleMania, okay? Does the artist, the company involved, is there some sort of a social contract in play that necessitates the need to keep the memories alive. I guess you could say the opposite of leaving the memories alone. Should you keep the memories alive? Which, yes, is a stupid joke that probably nobody laughed at, but I think it's an interesting thing to bring up. Like, a lot of people hate on Lucas for modifying A New Hope. I don't, because it allowed me to go to the theater and experience what I think it felt like to individuals in 1977 to see Star Wars for the first time uh, because it looked brand new. It sounded brand new. I mean, it's still one of the best, theat- I mean, it probably is the best theatrical experience I've ever had with a packed crowd and, you know, waiting in line after purchasing tickets for the next showing while the first showing's going on and hearing the entire Death Star raid through the walls because the sound was insane. But when it comes to WrestleMania, you know, someone says to you, oh, you gotta, you've never seen WrestleMania, you've got to go and you've got to see it because it's important to the, to the overall history. And then you go watch it and, you know, if you've seen it before, like let's say if you'd seen it live, it doesn't show you what you remembered because it's not, the broadcast the way it was designed and if you're watching it for the first time it doesn't really matter but then you kind of feel like there's no fair way for you to ever experience it the way it actually happened and the only reason I bring it up again is because this is the very first Wrestlemania so it seems like a pertinent conversation when it comes to um, curating the actual broadcast as it happened over closed circuit. You know, is there some sort of responsibility out there? I don't know. Like, th- this is a question that has no answer. Don't get me wrong. Uh, of, of course, you probably should have paid Phil Collins from the get-go. Probably would have perhaps alleviated all of this because it's not like, I don't, you know, I don't know if the easy lover use was on the level, as they say. So I don't really know. But I do think the con, uh, the co- the contextual question of is this, um, you know, is there some sort of, you know, do I have a right to experience it? Well, no, I don't. I mean, I really, really don't have a right to experience it in its original context because the copyright holders uh, for the music involved they have rights too, and and you know those supersede me. Uh, my right to experience is not. Uh, supersede someone's right to their intellectual property but I don't know it it just sort of fascinates me you know it's like I love this but would I love it with easy lover well I mean I was able to you know mess around on YouTube and and pretty much get the experience and I do love it I don't know though Uh, you know I don't love McClunky 
from Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope, but I don't, at this point, also care. I know that uh, with Star Wars, there's like a greater social contract of, oh, I deserve to see you ruin my childhood. I don't necessarily believe that's possible, but I don't know. Regardless, Easy Lover does not appear on the WWE Network. I guess you could call it Easy Dubber. I'm an Easy Dubber. It's not the song that you are used to. But we get, we finally, we're done with the opening credits after all that. And we are live. WrestleMania, Madison Square Garden. The on-screen text is so 1985, and I love it. Can we turn on the lights, though? It's so dark, and I get it. it this is so... The, WrestleMania 1 is such a fascinating show because it is, on one hand, you know, especially when the main event presentation starts, you've got Liberace, Billy Martin, Muhammad Ali. I mean, you know, I, I'm not telling you anything you don't already know. And it's so... WWF. It's so Vince McMahon Jr.-ish. But the feel and the look of the show for the overwhelming majority of it is so Crockett-y. Now, I'm not the type of person who's watched a lot of like MSG classics. You know, I, I didn't live in the Northeast. I didn't just have the Madison Square Garden channel or the Boston Garden channel. So seeing the WWE, because even WrestleMania 2 looks better. It still doesn't look polished like WWF programming will. I think WrestleMania 3 is probably the best first example of that sort of presentation for WrestleMania. But this feels so Crockett to me. And yes, I mean that as a negative thing, but it doesn't affect my ability to watch it. But it's just so interesting that here Vince McMahon is putting on this true spectacle. You know, this mixing of glitz and glamour of rock and wrestling. But, you know, the... The television product has not yet evolved, so you get this rare glimpse of, yes, the cartoony nature, rock and wrestling, etc., etc., but it's also sort of just a, I mean, it looks better than Starcade 1 and 2, don't get me wrong, but it kind of feels like it could be one of those early Starcades, if you want a comparison point. Uh, Gorilla Monsoon and Jesse the Body Ventura welcome us with some crazy suits that they're wearing. Gorilla Monsoon is a dead rigger for Austin Powers. Not so much from a build perspective, obviously, but when you combine the glasses and the frilly like chest piece that he's got on, I'm just waiting for him to be like, Jess, this is a happening. Yeah, baby. Oh, Gino. Gino. I know G- I did. Uh, I mean, I know Gino is Gorilla Monsoon's nickname. Okay, I know his real name is like Bob Morella. Okay, and I was like, where does Gino come from? Because everybody calls him Gino in this show. It's no gorilla. It's Gino, and and that's fine. I have a problem with it. But I guess that was his first wrestling character name. So it's like if Dolph Ziggler became a commentator, and they were like, oh, Dolphy, you know. But he, but he was like, but you know, it's like, hey, nickname it here at ringside, and you know. Everybody called him Dolphy on commentary. I understand what you're... Michael Cole's like, I understand what you're saying, Dolphy. He'd be like, I thought his name was Nick Nemeth. You know, it just doesn't make any sense. Uh, But that's, you know, you get Gino, which also makes this clearly feel like a very early WWF show. And I feel that's important, you know, to bring up. Now, you would think that the first WrestleMania show would be, you know, the start of traditions. Like... All the traditions of WrestleMania, you would probably assume, stem from the first iteration. And some of that might be true. The glitz, the glamour, the celebrity, the rock, the wrestling. However, the show opens with a very unique rendition of a song. Now, the tradition becomes America the Beautiful. You know, here to sing America the Beautiful. You know, that whole thing. But here, we get more of a traditional American sports program opening. Like it's the guy, you know, well, it's the World Series. It's like the Super Bowl. It's like the professional bowling championship. Yeah, we need someone to sing a song. And we sing the United States National Anthem, the Star Spangled Banner. The, oh, say, can you see? And it doesn't matter. I'm not going to actually do that. And aside, you know, I guess the budget was fully spent here because we get Minnesota's own Mean Gene Okerlund 
performing the Star Spangled Banner. Now, I don't have a problem with this, okay, because I'm not a musician. But I will fully attest that Gene doesn't so much sing the song as he performs it as like a tone poem, you know? It's like, Oh, say, can you see by the dawn's early light? Like, he's trying his heart out, God bless him, you know? Like, I'm sure he was probably thrown into this. I don't know if this is something he volunteered for or something he was forced to do. Um, And I don't know if he was a singer, because I don't know anything about music, okay? But he just kind of speaks it with a melodious tone. And that's, you know, if you can't sing, I say go for it. Do what you gotta do. You know, no shame in Gene here. This takes guts to come out and do. Now, he does a brilliant moment, because at the end, you know, when you're watching the World Series, and it's like, Oh, say does that dark Everybody in the crowd starts to get a little more raucous and start cheering, like, Oh yeah, this shit's almost over. Let's go. Let's watch the World Series. Gene is a consummate professional, and he knows that the crowd usually gets into it at this point. He, he's so what does he do he's like everybody oh say does that he invites everyone to sing along by adding the phrase everybody to the proceedings and sure enough everybody does and not only does it help mask his shyster-esque tone poem instead of singing but it gets the crowd engaged early and i think it's brilliant it's it's such a small thing That doesn't mean anything, but I think it means a lot. And clearly, that's why I mention it. Uh, When he's done, I forget what Gorilla says, but he sort of insinuates. He's like, oh, a very unique rendition, Jess. (laughs) And Jesse the Body Ventura is a prophet, ladies and gentlemen. He's the WWF's own Joseph Smith (laughs) with the golden plates. Because uh, Jesse the Body Ventura, in critique of Mean Gene's performance says he rates right up there with Robert Goulet, Gino. Robert Goulet, of course! One of the stars of the Naked Gun two and a half, The Smell of Fear. But more importantly, Robert Goulet would go on to become one of the celebrities at WrestleMania's history. At WrestleMania 6, Robert Goulet would perform the Canadian National Anthem in Toronto's Sky Dome. It's the first time I ever heard the Canadian National Anthem. I was six years old. To be honest with you, it might be the first time I came to realize that other countries had their own National Anthem that wasn't, oh say, can you see? And sure, that makes me sound like an ignorant child. But, you know, I was six. It's 1990. The world's a lot smaller then. So... Cut me, a, cut me some slack, please. But yes, I fully copped to the fact that it makes me seem ignorant and stupid. And I love Robert Goulet's performance, so this, this really hit me in the feels. I'm like, wow, I just love what little shit, these little happy accidents that happen. So what are we? We're like, I don't know, like 10, 15 minutes into this podcast. And we've covered maybe, I don't know, four minutes of WrestleMania. And you might think to yourself... This is insane. I can't believe I'm actually listening to this. What could possibly be next? Well, Gino throws to, From TNT, Lord Alfred Hayes with some comments. And we cut to Lord Alfred Hayes in this suit that barely fits. And he's got the little fucking, in my mind's eye, it's the little Price is Right microphone. But it might not be that skinny. And Lord Alfred Hayes, ladies and gentlemen, I have a theory. Lord Alfred Hayes is either extremely fucking nervous to be a part of this live broadcast, or Lord Alfred Hayes is extremely drunk. It's probably mostly column A with a little bit of column B, because I'm sure he was nervous and then hit the sauce to ease those nerves a little bit. But he's so stiff, and he's, I don't know if he's got cue cards... But he's constantly looking elsewhere except the camera. He wants to be anywhere else in the world except live on a closed-circuit basis for WrestleMania 1. Okay? Now, as he begins to speak, the masked executioner, who is one of the sports-based combatants of the first match, runs behind him to get to the ring ASAP. Because this is old school. 
You know, we don't have entrances and shit like that. We just go to the rig and people are there. But that's not the important thing. Lord Al speaks. Like I said, either from the cue cards or from his drunken memory. Um, He's like, having the privilege of opening WrestleMania are two super wrestlers. What the fuck is a super wrestler? <laughs> I know he says two super wrestlers. Like, oh, you're a super good athlete. But... To me, it sounds like, ah, two super wrestlers. Like, it's one word. <laughs> what is a super wrestler? Uh, first, we have the masked executioner, and he's pitted against Tito Santana, who has definitely proved his worth here at Madison Square Garden. Now, let's go to some previously recorded comments with Mean Gene Oakland. And yes, we do cut to pre-recorded interviews, and... And Lord Alfred Hayes, God love him, comes back for plenty of WrestleMania moments here on the first show. That's the end of our time with Lord Alfred Hayes. So, Lord Alfred Hayes invented the new phrase, Super Wrestler, for the uh, for the culture. You know, for the wrestling fans, if you want to take anything from this. Now, Mean Gene interviews Tito Santana first, and the interview's totally fine. Okay? Uh... Gene's like, what do you know about Masked Executioner? And Tito's like, well, he's a newcomer. He's undefeated. Then Tito says, and I quote, I know he's a big man. Now, this is interesting. And I took it verbatim. I don't want anybody to think I'm lying here or trying to bend reality to get in shtick. I know he's a big man. Now, In this interview, Mean Gene and Tito Santana are standing right next to one another. And Tito hovers above Mean Gene Oakland. Now, Tito's not like some sort of giant. And Mean Gene is not some sort of average-sized man. So it's, you know, it's fine. Like, it's just a comparison point. It's probably easily five, six inches. That's what he said. That's what I that's what I say most of the time. Like, oh, it's okay. It's it's probably about five, six inches. The door slams. Oh. Um, but he also says the executioner is undefeated. But he's he's just now come here to the big leagues. Like there's still this sort of underlying current of the territorial based system. And this comes into effect, too, with Ricky the Dragon Steamboat later on, which we're not going to talk about. But they talk on commentary about how he's come here to hone his craft. Like, he's got he's had a tremendous history in other territories, but he's come to this territory. But the Executioner's undefeated. But Tito says that now Executioner's come to the big leagues, the WWF. And we'll see if he remains undefeated. And then he sort of pauses and stops saying anything and just goes, he, boy, puts one fist in the air and goes, Arima! Like, it's it's such a contrast because it's just a regular 80s wrestling promo. And then it's like, oh, I'm also a cartoon character that yells, Arriba! And it's almost like, oh shit, I better say this or I'm going to forget to. Arriba! You know, and, the, and there's not as much enthusiasm in the Arriba as I've given. It's just more like, Arriba! And then he, you know, then he's gone. And, and, and now, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, the, the camera sort of does a, you know, the, there's a little PowerPoint swivel. And the, the, the screen moves, and now it's me, Gene Okerlund, with the executioner. First thing I'd like to point out, Tito Santana, our hero who tells the truth, told us that the executioner was a big man. And we talked about how Tito Santana hovered above Gene Okerlund like a god. Upon revealing the executioner, the masked man, is the exact same height as me, Cheat Okerlund. <laughs> oh, you can't make this shit up. Now, the, the, the executioner is Playboy Buddy Rose, the, the inventor and the entrepreneur responsible for the blowaway diet. He's so small here. What happened to this man? Did the wrestling business chew this man up and spit him out? Um, his mask is insane. His eye holes, his mouth holes are so big. He looks like the shy guy from Super Mario Brothers 2, who would later be adopted into other Super Mario Brothers games. 
And he doesn't even, his mask is not worthy of the Pulp Fiction gimp either. Uh, me, Gino Kerlitz, like, we know nothing about this man. The executioner speaks, is this Owen Hart? Like, I know it's not, but the executioner sounds like Owen Hart. We know nothing about this man. You'll know something about me after, uh, after I get through with Tito Santana. He stumbles over his words. I love the executioner. He's like, you'll know something about me after uh, I get through with Tito Santana. Now, pod this. The camera starts to zoom in because Mean Gene is about to break. Because he understands the executioner's giving one of the worst interviews in the history of our sport. So the camera has to pan in closer on the executioner's face so we can't see Gene smirking. It's at this moment I caught that Gene has on a pinky ring. Gross. And this, this makes the Owen Hart comparisons even more apt. Because after we're zooming... The executioner says, I'm going after your leg, the leg that was hurt by Greg Valentine, and there's a reason for it. Isn't that the reason? Because it was hurt by Greg Valentine? <laughs> but the leg, that's why I kicked your leg out of your leg. I'm going after your leg. The leg! Uh, and then everybody's going to know who the executioner is. And I'm here to go after the leg and nothing else. And you're going down, Santana. All right, Executioner, I thank you. I'm a big leaguer! <laughs> oh, God. I'm sorry. He yells, I'm a big leaguer. Like a three-year-old in a diaper that wants to prove something to mama. I'm a big boy! Oh, God, I love the Executioner. This promo is the entire reason this episode of Ringman exists. This promo sets the tone. It's, look, it's bad, obviously. But it it makes me so happy. Th this executioner character is so pathetic. But pathetic on the grandest of scales. And it makes this opening contest so memorable. I dare say if the Executioner had just given your standard yelling bad guy wrestling promo, this this the opening match of WrestleMania would not nearly be as entertaining or important as it is. Because it's just standard grain run-of-the-mill shit. But the fact that the Executioner exists, and exists in the form that it does that I've described, makes this opening WrestleMania match, the first 11 minutes of WrestleMania, so fun. It's completely worthy of being this historic moment. And I stand behind that. But now these two guys actually have to wrestle. Now, as we previously mentioned... When Lord Alfred Hayes was trying desperately to remember his lines, the wrestlers, or the, the super wrestlers, don't make entrances like they do in the modern era. They just came on out, and they're standing in the ring ready to get going. And uh, the Fink, God love him, legendary WWF employee, Finkus Maximus is here to give us the ring introductions. And he does, but something stands in his way. You know, it's, I guess, the opposite of that sweet song from Transformers, the movie. Nothing's gonna stand in our way, 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 not tonight. Because what's standing in the Fink's way is the bell. The incessant bell ringing at WrestleMania. What the world has come to. It Bong, bong, bong. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for the opening. Dong, dong, dong. Like, they ring the bell so goddamn much. Now, they, uh, they, they give everybody a, a keyed-up name on screen with some text-based graphics. And I just love that the Executioner is billed as from parts unknown, which is, you know, something we've seen before. But his weight is unknown, and so for his weight, they have three question marks that are italicized. It's so ridiculous, and I love it. Uh, according to Gino, the fans are hanging off the rafters for Tito Santana. Jesse calls him Chico, Gino, hey Gino, that's Chico Santana, I'm fired up for Tito Santana versus the masked, uh, well, the masked man, even Jesse stumbles over some of his early lines, Gino makes a statement that I think warrants further investigation, 
I have not seen of late this particular executioner in action, but I understand he carries into the World Wrestling Federation an unblemished record. So not only is Gino acknowledging the existence of other territories, because if he's, you know, he's brought to the WWF an unblemished record. So where has he wrestled before? Isn't WWF the only game in town? But that's not the important part, ladies and gentlemen. Gorilla Monsoon says he hasn't seen this particular executioner in action. So are there other executioners out there? Is the executioner a title passed from generation to generation for the greatest superstar? Is it like is it like John Wick? Is there some sort of secret society of masked professional sports entertainers that are executioners? I need answers, folks. I need to know more. Uh, but uh, unfortunately... You know, the, the, this is not the time or the place to get these answers. This, the bell rings for the 75th time. And ladies and gentlemen, the first match in WrestleMania history is finally officially underway. And yes, I will fully admit, I do these things to hopefully make somebody laugh. Okay? I'm a little tongue-in-cheek, but I also get a little serious sometimes. When I say I love this next thing I'm about to tell you, please understand I love it with all of my heart, even though it is pretty redonkulous. The first action in WrestleMania history is Tito Santana and Executioner playing a game of crisscross applesauce as they crisscross the ropes and, and, and run, dodge one another. Like, I don't know what the psychology is here. Well, crisscross action, Jess. Like, it's the first thing they do. They each pick a different side of the ropes and they just crisscross. Finally, Tito drops down and planks. Then he's up with a big back body drop to the executioner. And then he drop kicks executioner to the outside of the ring. And the crowd responds in kind. They are super hot. Now, the camera shifts to a view that is not the dead center hard cam on the ring. It's a handheld shot. It's perfectly fine. But what does this allow me to do? It allows me to experience the breadth and the scope of 1985's Madison Square Garden as we see some signs from corporations that are permanently affixed to the garden at the time. We've got Texaco, Burger King, featuring Herb, well, it just says Burger King, and Budweiser. It just... It just takes me back. It makes me feel things. Now, the ringside area is very crowded and stuffed full of humanity. There's all sorts of folks at ringside. We're going to talk about that here in just a second. The executioner gets up on the outside and then climbs to the apron. Now, the executioner throws his hand into the air, and even though he's a masked man, this executioner is a great non-verbal communicator because with his hands he sort of tells me and the crowd like okay hold on hold on i wasn't ready at first but now i'm ready you guys calm down i'm gonna get in this ring and everything's gonna go the executioner's way but he's like all right calm down calm down yeah he kicked me out of the ring but i'll i'll get back on the horse here i'm the executioner damn it i'm undefeated i'm gonna get your leg dino zantana then tell this crowd to calm down because i'm coming after your leg your leg belongs to me, Tito! I mean, that's that's what I think he's saying anyway. Uh, Jesse, with a great quote, You know, Gino, Woodstock was to rock and roll what WrestleMania is to wrestling, Gino. Well, it's certainly an international affair. We're deluged by photographers and news reporters at ringside, Jess. Deluged? Nice, Gino. I mean, you're getting a 1600 on the uh, the verbal portion of the SATs for certain. But newspaper reporters, the fact that this show has an old-timey feel, and Gino says newspaper reporters at ringside, I, I get the feeling like it makes me think about like Perry White, the editor-in-chief of the Daily Planet, like in the 40s, telling uh, uh, stately reporter Clark Kent, and, uh, you know, that rough and tough tumbling dame, Lois Lane. Lois Lane! Uh, Clark Kent! Damn it! <laughs> I don't know why it sounds like Vince McMahon. Ah, uh, great Caesar's ghost, Kent! 
Get Lane, there's a WrestleMania happening downtown at the Garden. Oh, uh, Perry, uh, that's just fake sports. Do you really want us to cover it? Oh, geez, Clark, of course we're going to cover it. I'm 1940s Lois Lane. I'm a... <laughs> I can't do a 1940s female reporter voice. I wouldn't even know where to start. Uh, but I also like the idea of J. Jonah Jameson sending Peter Parker to WrestleMania down at Madison Square Garden to get some pictures. Parker, get off your ass. Get down to WrestleMania. I want pictures of Hulk Hogan. And Mr. T. And you know what? If there's any pic, if that goddamn Spider-Man shows up, I want pictures of him too. Damn it! I want you to, hey, that executioner, unmask him. It could be Spider-Man. Damn it! Tito Santana has the executioner in a uh, 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 a headlock. Tito goes into the corner, and he uses the turnbuckle pads with his feet. He rope walks, flips, and does a headlock takedown. Is this 1985, or is this Kenny Omega in the Tokyo Dome? Now, I'm serious, folks. That's a sweet fucking move for 1985. Uh, The ref goes down for the count very slowly, because this ref is an old man. And, uh, you know, the the refs don't quite have the flair that they do now. And it's a pretty close two and a half. Gorilla says, it's the closest side headlock pin I've ever seen, Jess. Tito is up, fists of fire and fury, and then slams the head of the executioner to the canvas. Gorilla, disappointed with what this executioner showed him. Well, you know, just executioner 72 is probably the best executioner I've ever seen. Executioner, this is a real quote, executioner not living up to his prediction in my book. And it's true. Executioner has not gone for the leg. He promised leg-based assaults. Tito Santana has controlled everything. This moment, something very interesting happens to me. Gorilla's like, I want to take some time to to once again welcome everyone here to WrestleMania. Uh, I'm Jesse the Body... I'm, I'm Jesse. I'm Gorilla Monsoon with Jesse the Body Ventura. And sure enough, we get a graphic that says commentators, Gorilla Monsoon, Jesse the Body Ventura on screen. I'm wondering, and this is this is not good, this is not bad, this is not me throwing shade. It's just, I'm wondering if someone got in the old headset and told Gino, hey, some, you know, maybe some theaters that had the closed circuit stuff, maybe some folks are just getting started. Maybe some of the closed circuit wire-ups have just gone live and, you know, throw an opening again, like redo your, like just reintroduce or set the, set the table because like 200 theaters just came online or something or five theaters. I don't know, but I really wonder, I would love to know if that's the case because the little stuff like this fascinates me. And sure, if I was in one of those theaters that just came online, if that's a real thing, I'd be pissed that I missed the executioner's fucking, the state of the leg union, but you know, it's nice that they're introducing me and, you know, welcoming me to WrestleMania because I just got here for the first time. Maybe I'm right. Maybe I'm wrong. Either way, it's worth pointing out. Executioner takes control by ramming Tito Santana's head into the buckle and hitting a vicious executioner headbutt. You know, that mask adds 30 pounds of pressure, gorilla. That's a hell of a headbutt from the executioner. Executioner then hits an Awful kitchen sink knee driver, but Tito Santana is on his back. The executioner grabs the legs of Tito Santana. Yes! It's here! It's time for the leg-based assaults. No! The executioner stomps on the chest of Tito Santana with his foot and drops the legs. Executioner grabs the legs again and puts the right leg in like a leg ringer for just one second until Tito kicks off. All right, the executioner is not ready to quit, though. He knows once he takes ownership of the leg, I'm going after that leg! Once he gets the legs taken care of, as they've been previously weakened by current reigning defending Intercontinental Champion Greg the Hammer Valentine, that he will be victorious here in the first WrestleMania match. He goes for the opposite leg. He gets a sit-down leg lock hold, But since he's on the mat and Tito still has access to his other leg, see, Executioner, you should have gone for the legs! Plural! You just want ownership of one leg. You need to shut down both legs of this tremendous Mexican superstar. Because Tito gets Executioner in the head scissors, cradles him. One, two, 
No. Both men are up now. And a patented Stone Cold Steve Austin-esque little gut kick by Tito Santana. The executioner backs off. He's now stuck in the corner and begging for forgiveness for his leg-based assaults. Tito Santana has none of this. Vicious kicks by Tito. There's no mercy here. Uh, Tito whips Executioner into the other corner, and Executioner hits hard. Now, there's quite a bit of distance between these two sports combatants, and Executioner was just whipped into a turnbuckle, and he's dangling like, oh, geez, that really hurt. Tito waits for the Executioner to do something. Executioner waits for Tito Santana to do something. Tito Santana continues to wait. Executioner is clearly panicking. Even through the mask with the ridiculous holes, you can see that he's frozen with fear as he's forgotten what to do here on a closed-circuit basis. <laughs> on the greatest wrestling extravaganza of all time, the world has stopped because the Executioner is afraid. He has performance anxiety. Finally, Tito Santana goes in and brings out the Executioner and hits a pile driver. But no, the pile driver is countered by the Executioner for a back body drop. The Executioner doesn't realize this is his moment to shine here at the greatest wrestling extravaganza of all time. Because after the back body drop, instead of going for the legs, Executioner pulls up his own pants making sure they don't reveal his bloomers to the closed-circuit audience. Tito's up in a body slam by the Executioner. The Executioner's now going to the top rope. I guess he's abandoned all leg-based stratagems. Tito is up and tosses Executioner off the turnbuckle. It's a giant big slam. No longer representative of just one liter of cola from Pepsi. The big slam is delivered by Tito Santana. Tito bounces off the ropes and hits the goofiest, stupidest-looking Ultimate Warrior splash I've ever seen. He looks like a goofy fuck. Executioner raises the knees. His own legs have become his weapon. The crowd, though, God love them, as I am. They're loving this match because they wanted that Warrior splash because when Executioner gets the knees, the crowd's like, oh... Executioner appears to have the advantage and goes and grabs one of the legs of Tito Santana. He drapes the leg over the bottom rope and he slams down on it with his own anus. Speaking of anuses, Tito kicks the shit out of the Executioner's ass with his other leg. Executioner flips over the top rope. He bumps on the timekeeper's table and lands perfectly in the seated position in a chair that's sitting at ringside already. I cannot tell you, ladies and gentlemen, the ridiculous, serendipitous awesomeness that is the executioner falling into the seated chair. Naturally, this is an organic accident, and it is a tremendous visual. It's amazing. It's fan-fucking-tastic. Executioner gets back up. Tito body slams it into the ring, sprints off the opposite rope, and hits the fucking flying forearm. High forearm flying forearm by the former Intercontinental Champion, says Gito. And this is a stiff flying forearm. The crowd is in a verbal frenzy. Tito Santana's legs are fine, but now it's time to punish the legs of the Executioner as Tito locks in the figure four and the crowd pops for it because they know the figure four is Tito Santana's patented maneuver. The executioner gives up. The bell rings 86 times and the first ever match in WrestleMania history is complete. The lights are turned on. We can see more of the crowd. Tito Santana stands up and remembers he's now a living cartoon and says, Arriba! The Fink makes the announcement. The bell rings yet again. History is made here in Madison Square Garden at WrestleMania. Folks, clearly, I, I love this. This is so much fun. And you know, when I keyed up WrestleMania, I was like, oh God, I don't, I don't even know if I can watch this. It, I, I require slick presentation, okay? I can't handle the dimly lit 
cigarette smoky arenas. Okay, like I can't do it. I need slick production value. But god damn, this I just love that I have found that the first moments of WrestleMania, like the original, like, you know, damn it, they're just great. This this Tito Santana executioner match entertains the shit out of me. Between the interesting setup, like all the stuff we do before the bell even rings. I mean, we talked about it. Y- you'll never forget it. If nothing else, I hope this ridiculously overinflated conversation about 10 minutes of wrestling programming lives with you and makes you smile as much as I do when you key up WrestleMania and you're like, can I get through this slog of a show? The Executioner promo, all time. It's fantastic. It Just getting to feel... Like, this show feels so much like 1985. You know, there's so much of that, like, ruthlessly aggressive era shit. Like, it feels like no time and place to me. This, thank God, at least stands out as its own thing. And, uh, you know, God help Tito Santana. He was able to go in there and actually create something with the Executioner. Um... But just all the stuff. You know, the reason that I, I even covered this match was to, was to hopefully give someone the same type of feels that I get. You know, maybe when you watch this match, you'll think about what it really means when Gorilla Monsoon talks about this particular executioner. And and maybe there are shadow legions of executioners throughout the world. You know, uh, the executioner going for that leg. It's just, it's so much fun. Uh, and I hope, I hope it's been... A fun opportunity for you as well. Uh, but speaking of tremendous opportunities, ladies and gentlemen, the new TNN podcast feed has a lot of them for you. There's Ringman, the wrestling show. Junk Man, where we talk about movies that might be junk. Most of them are. Toad Man, where we talk about Dawson's Creek with a special guest wrestling host every other episode. And uh, Concrete Man, where we cover in-your-house pay-per-views where Vince McMahon yells, In your house! Just recently covering the international incident. And what an incident it was, folks. That's a good show to listen to. But, uh, you know, do yourself a favor. Kick up uh, that Peacock subscription and uh, fire up WrestleMania. And just watch the first 11 or 12 minutes. And uh, just just have fun. Do it with a smile on your face. And, you know, whether or not you want to fucking dub in your own version of Easy Lover is totally up to you. But regardless of all of that, George Lucas had the right to alter Star Wars because it's his movie, and I'm done. I'm Johnny C, and a winner is you. <laughs> <laughs>